My name is Jessamine Anderson Frain, and you're listening to Becoming Beauty. Our hearts were made for the infinite, so the ache we feel for more than this earthly life should drive us forward. But to where? And how do we get there? In this podcast, we're exploring what it practically and tangibly means, as C.S. Lewis says, to be united with the beauty we see and become part of it. This requires our entire being, body and soul. So we'll need both to journey well. Let us begin. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Becoming Beauty. The clip you just heard of Oh Holy Night at the beginning of the episode is actually me. (laughs) It's from a concert that I did a few weeks ago. Performing Oh Holy Night is consistently one of my favorite parts of the holiday season, and the song holds a very special place in my heart, as I know it does for many of you. That's why I wanted to do an entire episode on Oh Holy Night. A whole episode on one Christmas song? Yes, yes, we are doing that, so stick with me. I find that words that are familiar to me often just go in one ear and out the other. It's like I'm so used to hearing them that I don't take the time to really reflect on what the words are saying or what they mean. I do this all the time with scripture and song lyrics. In fact, I think I mentioned this exact problem when I talked about the Beatitudes in last week's episode. So apparently it's a problem I need to work on. But I will say that I I think a contributing factor to this problem is our culture's passive consumption of media. And what I mean by that is like, we used to listen to music as an activity. It was like, you know, an artist would have a record that would come out and you would go and you would buy the vinyl or you would buy the CD and you would take it home and you would put it on and listen to the music or you would get out the liner notes and you would read along, like read the lyrics along with the music. And we don't really consume media quite the same way anymore, where it's very much like, oh, my favorite artist has a new album out. I'm going to put that on while I'm doing laundry or while I'm cooking or while I'm hanging out with friends. And we don't usually take the time to sit down and like absorb what we're hearing. And so I think our ears have started to become trained to not really listen to the words of, of the music that we're hearing. But I also want to point out that, you know, a lot of like well-known verses, quotes, and song lyrics have become well-known because they are beautiful and powerful and worthy of our time and attention. They've impacted generations of people and have become part of our colloquial language. So we, we should take the time to reflect on some of these important words. The first words that came to mind when I thought about this is like, oh, well, what's something that's become a part of our colloquial language that everybody knows? is from Shakespeare's Hamlet. To be or not to be, that is the question. The other thing I thought of was how often we see the words John 3.16 on posters at sporting events. You know, all those sporting events that I frequent. I'm kidding. I don't go to a lot of sporting events, but you know, like when you're watching something on TV and you, there's always somebody in the background on at a football game with like John 3.16 on a poster. And it's like, oh yeah, that one Bible verse about God sending his only son into the world to save us. Like, back to the football game. Wait, what? (laughs) Like, how do we just brush past that? But we do it all the time. I put the lyrics of A Holy Night in this category. It has become such a well-known Christmas song, and many of us sing along to the words because we've come to know them throughout our lives. I have lost count of how many people have told me, A Holy Night is my favorite Christmas song, and I don't blame them. It is beautiful. 
So for this episode of the podcast, I want to take a deeper look at the story of this song and its moving lyrics. I'm going to start by sharing a bit of my story with this song and why it's so special to me. Then we'll take a look at the history of the song, how it came to be. And lastly, I want to try something new. I want to guide you through a bit of a meditation on the lyrics so that you can see what stands out to you and how God may be speaking to you through these words. Let's start with my story. I don't remember the first time I heard O Holy Night. In fact, most of us probably don't because it's been around for our entire lives. Anyone that's alive today, O Holy Night has existed for their entire lives. And we've just grown up hearing it during the Christmas season. But I do remember the first time I performed it as a solo. During my senior year of high school, I had the privilege, and I mean that word, it really was an honor and a privilege, to perform O Holy Night as a solo during our choir department's appropriately named Holiday Spectacular. For context, Holiday Spec, as we called it, included five concerts, most of them completely sold out. It was a highlight of my high school career. So I digress. It's just, I wanted to mention that for context. I performed Sandy Patty's version of O Holy Night, <laughs> one key lower than her key because she's a beast and I was only 18. I had a lot of growing to do. I still remember the overwhelming joy I felt getting to perform that song in front of so many people. I loved it. Now, looking back, I I was a Christian at the time, like I was a believer, but I didn't I don't really think I sang the song because of the words as much as like the epic nature. It was kind of a show, it, not kind of, it was a show-off piece. It was a show-off piece. Sandy Patty's arrangement was most definitely a show-off piece. And so that's why I picked it. But I look back and I see how the Lord was meeting me where I was at, giving me this song to say, I want you to start here. So I just, I loved that arrangement. So I fell in love with the song. And it was actually that performance, my senior year of high school, that led to my first professional gig with the Indiana Wind Symphony, an ensemble that I've now performed with for 12 seasons. The director of the Indiana Wind Symphony is married to one of my high school choir directors, so he attended the concert. After I graduated, he called me and asked if I'd like to perform as a soloist with the ensemble that December. I thought it was a joke. <laughs> I was like... Of course I want to perform as a soloist with an ensemble. Are you kidding me? He asked me to sing O Holy Night and commissioned a custom arrangement for the Indiana Wind Symphony and Jessamine Anderson. I actually got to meet with the arranger to work on like the key of the piece and kind of work out some other details. It was surreal for an 18-year-old. Okay, let's be honest. I'm 30 and I'd still be giddy about that <laughs> like to meet with an arranger. I was like, what happened to me? What is my life? In December 2011, I performed O Holy Night with the Indiana Wind Symphony for the first time, and that was the beginning of my professional career. And just a week or so ago, I performed it for the 10th time with the ensemble, and it just gets more and more magical every year. Alongside my professional growth, I've grown enormously in my faith since I was 18, so the words have grown in their impact and importance. And I think the words have become more important to me than the majesty of the high notes. I always knew O Holy Night was a beautiful and showy piece, which is why high school senior Justman picked it out. But now 
I take great responsibility to share these words and this music with audiences every year because I know these words are true and I believe this song can change hearts and minds. I know this to be true because people have come up to me after the concert every year to tell me how much this song means to them, how they can tell I believe what I'm singing, how their faith is set on fire because of listening to this song. Oh Holy Night is powerful for more reasons than its soaring melody and epic high notes. It's a proclamation of the truth of Jesus Christ, who he is and what he does for us. It is truly an honor, a privilege, and a joy to proclaim these words on stage for so many people. Now that I've shared a bit of my story with this song, I want to share the history of this song with you. When I did my research, I found a few different stories, and so I put together a bit of a summary just to simplify things. The original words were written in 1843 by a French poet named Placide Capot, who was invited by his parish priest to write a poem in honor of the restoration of the stained glass at his local church, and the poem was called Minuit Chrétien. The original French words were a bit more of a lecture to Christians than the warm, inviting English words we know today. So I'm going to read some of those for you. Just it's, This is the direct translation of the original French. Midnight Christians, it's the solemn hour when God-man descended to us to erase the stain of original sin and to end the wrath of his father. The entire world thrills with hope on this night that gives it a savior. People kneel down, wait for your deliverance. Christmas, Christmas, here is the Redeemer. Adolph Adams, an opera and ballet composer, set this poem to words in either 1843 or 1847. There's kind of conflicting information on this. But it was not, it was within a, a couple years of the original poem being written. The song gained popularity quickly, but came under great scrutiny and was criticized by many in the Catholic Church. I thought this was so interesting. Church leaders were concerned about the song's theological accuracy and its kind of militant tone. A Catholic liturgical music journal published an article in 1864 that said this about Minuit Chrétien. It might be a good thing to discard this piece whose popularity is becoming unhealthy. It is sung in the streets, social gatherings, and at bars with live entertainment. It becomes debased and degenerated. The best would be to let it go its own way, far from houses of religion, which can do very well without it. <laughs> this story sounds so wild to me because I can't imagine Oh Holy Night being whipped out at like a honky-tonk on Broadway in downtown Nashville, but maybe that's me and my strong opinions about where it belongs. <laughs> Now, interesting story about the poet. The poet was an outspoken liberal, and he eventually became a socialist and left the church completely. So that move on his part only reinforced church leaders' opinion that the song should be left behind because they didn't want to maintain a connection via sacred music to someone they deemed a socialist drunkard. And yet the song continued to thrive. It eventually spread to Canada in the late 1850s and also made its way into the U.S. American writer John Sullivan Dwight was an abolitionist and greatly identified with the lyrics of the second verse, which are directly translated to, The Redeemer has overcome every obstacle. The earth is free and heaven is open. He sees a brother where there was only a slave. 
love unites those that iron had chained. In 1855, Dwight developed and published his own English translation of the piece with words that lined up with the original melody. And these words, Dwight's words, are the ones that most of us know today. His version quickly gained favor in the U.S., particularly in the free states of the North. I also found one interesting story I wanted to share that I thought was really cool. It was um, the first like words and music to ever be on live radio. The words were actually the story of the nativity from the Bible. And then after the radio announcer read the words from the Bible, a violinist played the melody of O Holy Night. So the music of O Holy Night was the first music to ever be on the radio. I just thought that was so interesting. So I wanted to share. Over the last 170 years, O Holy Night has become a beloved Christmas song for many people. There are countless renditions of this piece online, and you'd be hard-pressed to find a classical soprano who has not sung this piece for a Christmas concert. O Holy Night holds a rightful place, a rightful place as a Christmas favorite, and I hope you can find your favorite version to listen to this Christmas. Now on to our meditation. I was trying to figure out the best way to guide you through a prayerful experience of these lyrics and I've landed on this. I'm going to use a simplified version of a prayer practice called Lexio Divina, and we're only going to look at the third verse of this song. In the show notes, I have shared a link to a document with the original French lyrics and direct translation, as well as Dwight's English translation that most of us know. If you'd like to meditate on lyrics other than the ones we're doing today, you are more than welcome. So I will leave that resource for you. Lexio Divina is a way of praying with scripture. And throughout my faith journey, I've learned that you can apply this practice, this kind of structured prayer to all kinds of things, literature, music, movies, artwork, and more. The basic steps are read the words two to three times. Choose a word or phrase that stands out to you. Pray with that word or phrase by talking to God about it. Meditate on what the Lord is sharing with you. And then contemplate. What is the Lord inviting you to do next with what you have just learned? So I'm going to slowly read the third verse of O Holy Night and share a bit of my own reflection with you as we go. Truly, he taught us to love one another. His law is love, and his gospel is peace. Chains shall he break, for the slave is our brother, and in his name all oppression shall cease. Sweet hymns of joy and grateful chorus raise we. Let all within us praise his holy name. Christ is the Lord, then ever, ever praise we his power and glory evermore proclaim. I'm going to read that one more time so you can hear the words again. Truly he taught us to love one another. His law is love and his gospel is peace. Chains shall he break, for the slave is our brother, and in his name all oppression shall cease. Sweet hymns of joy in grateful chorus raise we. Let all within us praise his holy name. Christ is the Lord, then ever, ever praise we. 
his power and glory evermore proclaim. So I'll share a few of the things standing out to me, and these don't necessarily have to be the same as yours. I'm just kind of letting you know how this structure works. The word truly at the very beginning stood out to me because it emphasizes the importance of what we're about to hear. The phrase chains shall he break makes me think of how merciful God is and how through his death and resurrection, he breaks the hold that sin has on our lives. He breaks the chains that keep us from heaven as long as we repent of our sins and truly follow him and love him. So yes, he's talking about the chains of slavery, but not just the physical slavery of that era, but also um, like the slavery that we have in regard to sin. And the third thing that stood out was the phrase, let all within us, because it kind of has two meanings for me. I think of like all meaning all of us and all meaning everything within each of us. So like the first thing would be, you know, an invitation for all people to proclaim Christ as Lord. And then the second part of that is like an invitation for us as individuals to proclaim Christ as Lord with every part of ourselves, thought, word, and deed. So those are, those are the kind of the things that come to mind. So ask yourself, what word or phrase stands out to you? Take that to prayer. So I'm going to guide, uh, guide us through a prayer with the third part. I'm going to let, or I'm going to take, let all within us to prayer. And I'm going to be honest. I, I did not write this part in advance. I'm just going to record this and let the Holy Spirit take over. So let us pray together. Come Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, you've brought to our attention the words, let all within us, let all within us praise your holy name. Lord, we desire to follow you, and that's why we're here. We desire, we desire to follow you, to proclaim the truth of who you are, with our lives and we fail at that sometimes I fail with my impatience with my lack of self-control with choosing things instead of you I don't proclaim you as Lord all the time with my actions but I want to and I need your help to do that So Lord, I ask that you would open my eyes to any parts of my life that are not proclaiming you as Lord. Please reveal those places to me, even if they're hard to look at. Please reveal those places to me and enter into those spaces with me and show me how to proclaim you as my Lord in all the areas of my life. Am I dressing in a way that honors you? Am I speaking in a way that honors you? Am I keeping my house clean in a way that honors you? Am I loving my family in a way that honors you? Am I being a peacemaker in a way that honors you? Am I being merciful as you are? 
Lord, if there are ways in my life that I am not proclaiming you as Lord, I ask you to reveal those to me and to come in and heal those places so that I can proclaim you as Lord with my whole self. What is the Lord inviting you to do with what he's telling you? Are you holding anything back from him? Are you grappling with any sins that you need to confess? Are you allowing him into all of your heart or only part of it? Where can you better prepare the way of the Lord as we head toward Christmas? The answers to these questions and the actions that follow are going to look different for each of us. We are all journeying toward heaven together, but we are at different stops along the way. We're on different paths. The Lord has given us different mission fields and vocations and gifts and callings. And this is good and beautiful. During this Advent and Christmas season, I have no doubt you will hear the words of O Holy Night at some point. I pray that you can really listen to the words this year and allow them to pierce your heart. I pray it isn't just another Christmas song on the radio or Spotify playlist, but that it becomes a poem you can proclaim with your whole heart. There is a reason so many people love this song and why so many people are drawn to its beauty and majesty. It's because it's true. And at our core, regardless of where we are on the journey, we know this and we believe this. We are attracted to beauty because beauty is truth and truth is beauty. And both beauty and truth are God himself. And he comes to us through the beauty and the truth of these words of O Holy Night. I pray you encounter him differently this season through this magnificent song we all know and love. My Something Beautiful this week is one of my favorite renditions of O Holy Night, sung by the amazing tenor David Phelps. I usually prefer very classical versions of this song because I think classical voices give this song what it's due, but oh my goodness, David Phelps just blows me away. I have goosebumps during his entire performance, and then I just like weep at the end. It's casual. It's really an incredible performance, and I hope you enjoy that. So I will leave a link to, there's a YouTube video of it, so I'll leave a link to that in the show notes. Next week, I'll be back with a lighthearted, fun episode to celebrate our final week of Advent, which is focused on joy. I'll see you there. Have a lovely week. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Becoming Beauty. I hope today's episode blessed you. There are a few simple things you can do to share the message you heard today. One, share this episode with a friend who needs it. Two, share this episode on social media. Three, leave a rating and a review so more people can find this podcast. I would so appreciate your help getting this podcast into the ears, hearts, and minds of more people. Have a lovely week.